So I uh, swallowed my pride and we're asking people on Facebook to um, like our podcast. Oh yeah, I wanted to cover I wanted to cover this one free. I don't know. Oh, are you talking about what I was talking about? I don't know. You should just tell her, just check the podcast. I make it for you, Mom. Every year, I, uh, Wes cuts out the part where I dedicate uh, the podcast. Hey, I agree with everything you just said over the last 10 minutes. Shrugged, a podcast about politics and culture in the South. Uh, with me, as always, are Chad Watson. Howdy. And David Dykes. Hello. And I'm Wes Cheek, and my office smells like garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what, what's going on in Houston this week, Chad? Uh, it snowed. It snowed on Thursday. Wow. Yeah. We got kind of a mushy mushy sleeting drizzle in the garden district and nothing stuck on the ground yeah it was uh i think maybe the second time that it's there's been accumulation uh since i've lived here the 12 years i've lived in houston and it snowed quite a bit it snowed maybe a couple inches and but it was all gone by like noon so by noon it was like nothing happened and (laughs) <laughs> it was all over. It was a dream. It was like a dream, yeah. It was a whisper. Was a the whisper. snows of Houston were but a whisper. That's my favorite mineral song. <laughs> Whispers the of snows Houston. of Houston were but a whisper. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Did, did you frolic in it? Uh, I walked outside. Uh, I walked outside. A lot of kids uh, played in the snow. Yeah, a lot of my students, they went. Out, uh, a lot of kids went out to the football field and like, tried to build snowmen. But, I mean, it was really... You couldn't. Re- I mean, there wasn't enough snow to build snowmen, and it was really not really cold enough to stick together. So yeah, I saw that here. People were building snowmen, like out, like like Homa got snow, and the North Shore got snow. But like people were having like scrape up their whole yard to build a snowman. Yeah, mm. it was uh, it was quite a sight. Is it snowing in Mexico, David? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, we won't get any precipitation. For quite a while. Um, you don't have a snow season? No, not here in the high part. And there's not really snow season anywhere. Up north in Mexico, up on the plains, it they get a little snow every once in a while. And people freeze to death up there. Probably people get the hypothermia and stuff here. But uh, anyway, the yeah, here it's been uh, chilly at night and nice and warm in the day. Uh, next to last week of school, uh, meet, meetings with uh, teachers and parents, and that was okay. And um, I got all my grades in. That was good. And so nice. this week looks like it'll be pretty nice, and I drive to Tennessee next week. Are you driving all the way? Yeah, I'm going to stop in in Texas Gasson. and New Orleans and... Um, Stop off at Birmingham and uh, Gadsden Country Club. That's Gadsden, right. Oh, that's right, Gadsden. I was going to stop off at the mall there. Payless. Yeah. Top of the Payless. Yeah. Oh, hang on, <laughs> hang, hang some brain at the Country Club. <laughs> I was going to go to the uh, disc jockey 
and uh, just see what the see what the new uh, cassettes were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always picture whenever I hear about the Gaza Mall, I picture like an orange Julius. I picture all of this happening in front of like a really brown orange Julius. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, uh, Roy Moore's disappeared from the campaign trail. Oh, well, man, I'm getting his mall time in. He's just no, he's just wearing like a, a Groucho Marx glasses and mustache and hanging out at the Orange Julius. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> and asking people if they've heard about this Roy Moore cats. Yeah. <laughs> people, young young ladies. Yeah. He's hang, he's at the Buster Brown shoe store. Hey, well, man. you were wanting to um, uh, talk about his surrogate who's showing up on the campaign trail for him uh, this uh, week. No, I wasn't. Well, first I wanted to I wanted to tell you about my very uh, New Orleans weekend. I've oh, cool. A very Louisiana, very Southeast Louisiana weekend I've been having, which is uh, yesterday I spent the afternoon at the Elks Lodge in Metairie, <laughs> which is where every sunny Saturday afternoon um, should be should be spent. And it was kind of it was very very Metairie because like I had no idea how to get there, but it involved a lot of like four lane roads and intersections that didn't make any sense and kind of overpasses that didn't really seem to go anywhere but lots of traffic for no reason and the whole Elks Lodge was surrounded by like the worst most boring horrible looking apartments in the world like one was like a French ski chalet but like made out of just like Kleenex and boogers and and like had I think no it wasn't a rebel flag but there was like just like garbage, garbage ski chalet, chalet apartments in Metairie. And then they were above like uh, like a parking lot. There'll never be a need for like 100 cars there. But there's a, just a big parking lot. And in the corner, like two lonely Mardi Gras floats. But they're not like exciting New Orleans Mardi Gras floats. Like Metairie Mardi Gras floats where like someone takes like their uncle's like pig trailer and dumps confetti on it. And then they just <laughs> stick them in the Elks Club parking lot. Uh, they usually built for just like towing around the racism machine, and now they're using once a year for Mardi Gras. And then across the street are the apartments that where they they make the entire second floor a mansard roof just so they can get away with every code violation by saying the second floor is a, an attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then the Elks Club, the Elks Lodge is like so dark inside <laughs> that, that someone asked me, so this is for a Japanese function, and uh, someone asked me, uh, you're, you're an American, does this seem like an appropriate level of light to have in an event? Like, no, we're in a Elks Lodge in Metairie, it all seems weird to me. Um, and then kind of the highlight of the event was the, the MC um, kind of trying to call out raffle ticket numbers with like COPD, and kind of huffing and sweating his way through it. And we all thought he was going to die somewhere midway through it. And then um, the children started crying because their their ticket, they didn't get, they didn't win like a bottle of soy sauce. Um, so, <laughs> soy sauce was the prize? Yeah, soy sauce was the prize. And then like I, I felt kind of bad because I didn't like tip the two old ladies like working behind the Elks Lodge bar who were like pouring like lukewarm flat Sprite for everybody. So I just metered it up. That's, um, a, that's very metery. Very, very metery. Like I had a thick coating of racism on me by the time I got home. I kind of <laughs> had to scrub like a, a Brillo pad. Um, and then, uh, oh, oh, corollary to that. Today, my friend from Metairie 
told us very excitedly that they were going on vacation this winter. We're like, oh, where? And they said, Branson, Missouri. And I just started dying laughing. No one could figure out why I was laughing. I'm like, it's just too perfect. It's just too perfect. You're escaping Metairie by going to Branson. Um, and so, but then today, uh, to kind of reverse that trend, we had to, we were going to a birthday party out in Homa. But so we left early and drove down through Chauvin, which is like way out in the bio, Chauvin, like where the road seems lower than the bio, like you're looking up at the water. And Chauvin's like about where there's like one one road, the Little Caillou, Little Caillou Boulevard, that runs all down the bio, and then one side of the road just kinda ends in the swamp. And then it's one of those like only roads. You're just like out in the middle of nowhere. And there's one little intersection down there where you can take State Road fifty six connects with State Road 57 to loop over to go to Dulac, but it's out, it's just the only land, the only land anywhere is uh, the road, right? So off to the right is a swamp, off to the left is a swamp, and all there is is like a two-lane asphalt road through the swamp, and that's it. And so you kind of just go around, but it's beautiful, you're just driving through like the end of Louisiana, Um, and then you come up at Dulac where like there's just all these guys fishing off of like the bridge and it's like a two-lane road like a one-lane bridge everywhere and uh people sell like shrimp off of their boats off of their little shrimp boat and stuff so i highly recommend anyone if you're ever in southeast louisiana just do the drive down to chauvin around the dulac and back up it's uh really nice and then we ended up in homa uh and got invited back to an oyster party later this month so pretty excited because you can get giant sacks of oysters for like 50 dollars down there and just sit around and shuck oysters do you see the yellow so, king out there the yellow king <laughs> uh the yellow king was beckoning um but as i was traveling with my family i can i have a power where i can not see the yellow king even though he's calling to me oh good 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 yeah. Oh, you yeah. took enough cough syrup to where you you didn't you couldn't see it. You couldn't see him. Yeah. Although we did stop to use a restroom at one gas station, which was you walk inside and there's no lights on, but there's a whole like kind of second building on the side of it where it's all like uh, bait, fishing supplies, and like various uh, like thermal shirts for sale. Uh, and and. Um, the lady who owns it was kind of like waiting really expectantly like by the door staring out the door and there's no other customers inside um and so i got a little nervous but then i walked back outside and realized she was just waiting to go outside and smoke and she had a little homemade wooden bench that she would carry outside with her and sit in the parking lot and just kind of smoke and stare out at the bio so i think the yellow king might have briefly like kind of grabbed the back of my belt loop and pulled me back for a second I, I swear, I thought you were going to say she had a little homemade oxygen tank that she would roll out with her. Oh, man. I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt that. But it was a good Southeast Louisiana weekend. I always recommend Southeast Louisiana to people. It's kind of weird. Like, context of Metairie. Like, Metairie is, like, so the kind of the social and political values that would disturb you about Metairie are also present, like, in Chauvin and Dulac. But, like, there's an actual culture of the people there, whereas in Metairie, it's just a horrible, sprawling, racist suburb of New Orleans. Uh, yeah, a white flight like, community. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, the racism is equally as confusing in Dulac and Chauvin because they're mainly, like, Kate, well, I don't know, mainly there's Cajuns and lots of Native Americans down there who fly rebel flags off of their shrimp boats. So I don't know how to, you know, rationalize that. But at least it doesn't look like Metairie. 
which is enough. No, stri- no strip malls. No strip malls. Well, you, you do get the uh, casino truck stop. Oh okay. yeah, that's one. That's one of my favorite parts about driving through Louisiana. The casino truck yeah. stop. Right. Which is your favorite part? The casino part or the truck stop part? Yes. <laughs> and I wish I knew exactly, but I think that must be like, you know, the way in Mississippi, you're allowed to have a casino as long as it's on the water because the law oh. is made for like paddle wheel boats. So they just build buildings on barges and right. say it's a casino on the waterfront, which is why every hurricane, the casinos wash away. But I'm assuming the law in Louisiana is something like that. Like you can have a casino as long as it's a truck stop. So they just put casino on the side and like write truck stop on it yeah there's one i i'm trying to like it's it's on the other side of baton rouge um well it's between baton rouge and like charles and we we used to stop there a lot but it's a it's a casino truck stop and they also have it they have a monument to uh fallen war heroes uh (laughs) so there's like a little there's like a little uh obelisk out like out in the parking lot that said this is to all all uh some all ga- veterans some gave all yeah <laughs> some gave all their money all gave some <laughs> and did it say uh stand for the flag kneel in church <laughs> yeah yeah it says kneel my ass and <laughs> yeah did, did you stop at the one that also has the tiger at it yeah we we stopped there one time but it was i don't know i I, uh, well, we, congratulations. We, he died. Yeah, we stopped. No, I think I want to say we've never seen the tiger. I think we wanted to stop there once, and it was just I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. Yeah, the unbearable cruelty of keeping a tiger at a truck I stop. couldn't. I was like, oh, this stop is going to be like we have to do this. And then we pulled off. We pulled off the interstate, and I'm like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> and you looked at the tiger was crying and said, you don't have to do this, Chad. <laughs> I've been there before. I've been to the um, tiger truck stop. Oh, no. How was it? Um, it didn't seem yeah. any worse to me than most zoos. Mm. You've been to a lot of shitty zoos. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, when I was a kid, going to the zoo was horrifying. But um, it's a big. It's in a big cage, and I don't know. It's it's an animal in a cage. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's in a little box now. Uh, oh, I didn't know. Did, did it die? Yeah, who would have guessed? The tiger who <laughs> lives at a truck stop. Well, I mean, it's been there for 20-plus years, so. But you know what people didn't know about the tiger was he was actually the tiger from Prince of Tides. Oh. Rest He's in power. He's a hero. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he murdered a escaped convict racist to save a family, and then they <laughs> sold him to a truck stop. Uh, that, you need a little spoiler alert before that stuff. I haven't actually seen I'm sorry. Prince of Tides. I'm sorry, guys. There's, there's a new uh, hit movie out called Prince of Tides, and uh, spoiler alert, the tiger kills the rapist. Uh, well, I thought the tiger was played by um, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, Barbara Streisand, that's it. Why do you think Bette Midler was in Prince of Tides? Is that like a... That should make a horrible ethno-stereotype. I don't know. Mm. You tell us, Wes. I think you have a lot to explain. Yeah. Oh, my favorite. I like the tiger in Beaches way better than the tiger in Prince of Tides. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Roy Moore is still running for Senate. Yep. Uh, People say he's going to win. Well, I my stance on it is I'm totally not surprised if he wins. If he wins, like it's 
complete. I don't know what's, what. How do you say Atari Maya in English? It's to be expected. It's par for the course, right? Uh, Why yeah. would he not? The only surprising thing to me is there's a slight chance he might not win. That's the only surprise, right? But who knows? Although uh, American hero uh, Jason Isbell played a benefit concert for Doug Jones last night. Oh wow, Jason Isbell. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hoping is, that when um, that if Roy Moore wins, that we can get some good um, editorials in the newspaper about how it's the fault of East Coast elites for looking down their yeah. noses at um, Alabama voters, and that if it weren't for them, they would have chosen um, the new S's key father or whoever. Yeah, you know, I was thinking today as I was driving between New Orleans and Houma that we really need to pay more attention to the sections of America who throw away their garbage on the side of the state highway. <laughs> I saw a perfectly good, um, do you call them a baby hanger? What are those things? <laughs> <laughs> things with wheels you put a baby in? No. I don't know. Oh, no, you did what are those see called? That. You did see the Yellow King. <laughs> He was just yeah tearing through, tearing through his him and the <laughs> river his baby hanger by the side of the road. He was in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We call the thing you put a baby in that has wheels on it a, a, a baby carriage, a bassinet. No, like oh no, a car. More circular. Anyway, oh, it's like it was a lot of strange that you put the baby in and it can walk around because it has wheels on the bottom. Yes, a that's wheel, it. a wheelchair. A wheelchair. <laughs> baby wheelchair. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. Anyway, there was a lot of strange garbage, and I thought, you know, those coastal elites don't know what they're talking about. They need to get here with the real people who gamble in truck stops and uh, throw away baby hangers on the side of the road and, like, have convenience stores that exclusively sell different flavors of Monster Energy drink. Mm. <laughs> favorite. My favorite flavor is uh, purple. <laughs> oh, I like blue. My favorite is Como. Mm. But, you know, as I'm saying this, there is a vending machine down the hall for me in elite Tulane University that only sells Monster Energy. Hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen those. Coastal Elites. I've never actually drank a Monster Energy drink, although I might have had one in a shot once or twice or a few times. Oh, like a shot? That could have killed you. Yeah, so they do it in the hospital in Mexico. You just like put monster energy drink in a needle. Um, I think it was in New Orleans. Excuse me, senor. Oh, that sounds likely. Yeah, at charity that, hospital. That's how they bring people back to life. Back before they closed charity sh- hospital. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the f- protocol for the first few times you get shot in New Orleans. They just they just give you some monster energy drink and tell you to walk it off. It's usually the the fifth or sixth time you get shot to kill. In any case, Roy Moore is still running for Senate. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a really great bait-and-switch that um, the president, Donald Trump, pulled on America, uh, completely not obviously, by going to Pensacola, near my hometown, going to Pensacola, and uh, have, staging a big rally um, that was totally not for Roy Moore at all, but immediately, you know, 20 minutes from the Alabama border, um, in an area where all the TV stations are either in Alabama or broadcast to Alabama. So it was a, a nice bait and switch to go to Pensacola and not campaign for Roy Moore. Yeah, I, his, 
I didn't yeah. see the uh, actual speech, but I did read the um, uh, CNN had a thing that was like the uh, maybe 44 or 45 most ridiculous things that he said. And so I read those yeah. highlights. Yeah, sadly, that is by the 45th worst journalist in America, Chris Caliza, who's just god-awful, stupid, and horrible. But I also looked through that. Can't um, find it. No. Yeah, he's just dumb. Um, but it does highlight some of his just... I mean, it was just it was one of those things that, like, even selecting them out into quotes makes it better than it is because it didn't make any sense in... And it's like it didn't. It just didn't make any sense if you listen to it. And I would really like to have like I know this won't happen, but like just sit with people who say that these are good speeches and kind of ask them like what is going on like right now in it that like makes sense to you because I can't even listen to it and have the ideas connect. Do people say that they're good speeches? Well, I mean, the people who are kind of that's their role in life to say they're good speeches, like the judge, Judge Gene, Judge Genie on Fox said it was a great speech but that's kind of her gig right is to say it's a great speech oh okay uh, I, I know on this list he did have, he did say uh, any Hispanics here any Hispanics any Hispanics you guys were great he said where are my Hispanics at <laughs> where, yeah, where are my Hispanics at um, and remember they weren't going to vote for me I'm going to build a wall but they want the wall too even though you know he got less of the Hispanic vote than Mitt Romney but or, or slightly I think 1% more well, he also did. Um, um, he also kept referring to um, the election as a landslide victory for him when he actually lost the popular vote. But yeah, so I have a thing I'm wondering about that. Right, so that's one of those things that seems like kind of a petty thing to argue about, but in some ways, I think it's at, it has to be brought up again and again because it's like I, whether conscious or not, it's a test of how far you're. You're willing to go to like go into the separate reality that you're required to go into to be a Trump person, right? So you have to disown every concept of landslide. Well, I'm, well I just like, sort of assumed that he was uh, having one of his Trump moments and just being dumb, and he meant an upset rather than a landslide, but. Maybe he actually, at this point, believes that it was a landslide. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm at a crossroads now of how much I care about what is actually going on in his brain or not, right? Like, I, I don't think he knows what a landslide is. I think he means, yeah, I think he means, I think you're right. I think he means upset or, like, we won and people didn't think we were. That's a landslide. I think he's, well, I think that worrying yourself about what goes on inside of his head that that's probably just completely incomprehensible. Like, like there's no way to know that. Right. Um, but so one, one part of this, him being in Pensacola, that I wanted to talk about is he brought along my dumb, dumb congressman, Matt Gates with him. Um, and, you know, you guys are probably familiar with Matt Gates from me complaining about him, but I wanted to speak briefly because Matt Gates is going all in on being uh, Trump's... Uh, Dumb dumb associate. Um, I'm trying to think of like every every kind of every kind of word for like a junior male sidekick has too many like homophobic uh, connotations. I think so. What's a good non-homophobic uh, um, junior sidekick? Robin to his Batman. Um, 
I'm not sure. Is that is that homophobic? No, that's not. But it's homoerotic. His second. Okay, his second. His lackey. Lackey. His lackey. His lackey. First mate. Yeah. Um, so so Matt Matt is a, is a special guy. Let me tell you briefly about Matt. So I don't know Matt personally. He was five years younger than me. So he was at Niceville. I was at Fort Walton. I know people who know him. And and the thing with Matt is that he is just. Like the most shapeless, uh, vacuous, empty vessel, complete, like just there's, there's nothing. He's a cipher, right? But he's very lucky in that his father, Don Gates, who's um, Don Gates is kind of like less vacuous than Matt, but just as boring. But so Don is this guy he's from like North Dakota. These guys are not from Florida, uh, he's from North Dakota. He like went to got a master's degree from Troy State and um, started. He was working on like like healthcare administration for a while, and then he founded in 1983. He founded this thing called uh, Vitas V I T A S Vitas Healthcare Corporation, and in he started that in 1983. He sold it in 2004 for half a billion dollars. All right, and but in 2013 the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against them for committing Medicare fraud from like 2002 to 2013, right? When when Gates was working there and it was his company, right? So he says, "Oh, I don't don't know anything about that," and it like bailed out and is like a super millionaire now, right? And he lives in uh, in my hometown, right? So Don Gates made all of this money doing that, possibly committing, well, I don't know, committing, possibly working for a organization that was definitely committing Medicare fraud, right? Um, so Don Gates goes on to become this, the, the head of the school board for Okaloosa County, which is where I went to school um, in 1994. And he kind of did it. He was like kind of one of those just completely kind of, again, formless, administrative school board heads, right? Completely boring. Nothing really interesting. He did one good thing. He got like a 1% sales tax to pay for like maintenance and upgraded schools. Great. That's good. Uh, and he was part of, there was a teacher at Niceville High School who was trying to like have like a revivals at school and baptize kids. And it, it was, I remember when this happened, it was nuts. This guy was like trying to like bring kids into like a Christian cult at school where they were witnessing in school. And he said that was more important than his job teaching. And Don Gates, uh, had a hearing on it, and and the guy ended up getting transferred to a non-teaching role, and Don Gates got all of these like death threats, all of this uh, blowback over it. So he was all right in that role, right? But then he went on to go to the Florida Senate, um, where he was just kind of a garbage Republican state senator, um, and he loves loves the Second Amendment. He loves the National Rifle Association, and they love him. So this is Don. This is the father, right? So then along comes Matt, who went to FSU. He got his uh, Juris Doctor from William and Mary. He's always just been a rich shithead who is never, never, ever at want for anything, never worked ever, not once. And his whole political career was just kind of handed to him by his father. So he leaves William and Mary in 2007, the very next year, 2008, he's arrested for a DUI. And the greatest local detail is he's arrested for this DUI when he's driving back from the swamp. And the swamp is an exciting nightclub on Okaloosa Island in Fort Walton 
um, out on the beach with a big like flashing sign that says the swamp because like, it was a branded uh, even though we're not really swampy in that part of Florida but anyway um, and so he's driving his dad's car it's just perfect driving his dad's BMW gets busted is drunk refuses to take a breathalyzer test um, which in Florida is an automatic one year suspended license right but he somehow none of that happens to him no consequences at all right uh, arrested a kind of semi-famous mugshot of him is taken but he doesn't he doesn't get his license suspended and there's all of these stories about just multiple DUIs he got and all of them disappeared right and his dad at the time his dad was a powerful local politician um, so I'll get to this Matt Gay stuff real quickly so uh, also, this kind of this ties in in many weird ways to me. I have connections to it. So Matt got into politics in 2010 when um, State Representative Ray Sansom, who I used to be his intern in high school, I was Ray Sansom's intern. Ray Sansom was a conservative Republican, but was a super nice guy to me. He was great to intern for in high school. I really enjoyed working with him. But he was rung up on corruption charges, right? Probably appropriately so. So Gates ran for his open seat um, and, and got it and beat my relative, Jerry Melvin. I think I'm related to Jerry Melvin. Who knows? He's a Melvin. Anyway, so and so Gates is now like in his mid-20s and is in the, the state house in Florida, right? So he has he plays this whole role of like, I'm just a, I'm just a happy guy. I'm just a conservative. I'm harmless conservative. I enjoy social media. I'm one of the kids. But this is kind of his, this is the things that he did when he was in um, the Florida State House. So uh, he, it was proposed uh, that, well, there was 404 inmates on Florida's death row who were not slated to be executed. And he passed a bill that accelerated the process for them to be executed um, and, and, made, and it, a go, the governor had to sign a death warrant for inmates who had exhausted their appeals. And, and Gates's, Matt Gates's quote was, only God can judge, but we can sure set up the meeting. Hardy har har. So, you know, Florida, which is no shortage of racism in its justice process, right? Like we have a half a million disenfranchised uh, black people, right? And so uh, here he is, you know, encouraging all of these people, to 404 people, to quickly be executed. This guy who's just, you know, son of a multimillionaire uh, who got off on his own DUI charge, which could wreck, you know, for lots of people that could wreck their entire life. They could be in the criminal justice system for their whole lives for things like that happening to them. That was his thing. And his other thing was uh, when George Zimmerman was on trial uh, for killing Trayvon Martin, murdering Trayvon Martin, there, there was a call in the House of Representatives in Florida for a hearing on the stand your ground laws, which we have in Florida and are insane. Um, and Gates said uh, his quote was, he wouldn't change one damn comma of it, right? Um, but he, he said that people who use stand your, their ground defense during their trial would get to apply for a certificate of eligibility to expunge the information related to that. So if you did stand your ground and they decided that you were justified in it, you could expunge that from your criminal record, right? So this is essentially licensed to murder African-Americans in Florida. Um, yeah, so he's kind of just a horrible shit, right? He's a horrible shit. So uh, he comes back into it, and I kind of connect with the story a little bit here because, as you guys know, the 2016 election cycle, I was possibly going to run against Jeff Miller, who was another 
Florida first congressional district dipshit real estate agent who just kind of sat around in Congress. Um, and I think is most famous for saying that global warming can't be real because the dinosaurs didn't die or something. Um, so Miller stepped down and and Gates ran Matt Gates ran for for Congress, right? And he ran against Stephen Specht, Afghanistan veteran lawyer Stephen Specht, and Matt Gates, whose only things he's ever done in life is have a DUI and a rich father, um, wins with 69% of the vote because it's Northwest Florida. And so now he's in Congress, and his whole thing is just being super, super, super Trump. And his other thing he's doing lately, oh, he filed, he was, he was the one that put forth the bill to repeal the EPA. And now his whole thing is that the FBI should be going against Hillary Clinton and really getting to the bottom of things at the MENA airport and her uh, meetings with Bigfoot and all of that stuff. So this this um, complete total fails on dipshit uh, flew down with Donald Trump on Air Force One to do this speech, which is totally not a campaign stop for... Roy Moore. So now my congressman has openly campaigned for Roy Moore, which is great. All right. That concludes my Matt Gaetz story. So um, did, um, do you know if he said anything? I know he's, he made uh, sort of a glancing reference or two to Roy Moore in his speech. Did he directly uh, restate his endorsement? Trump or Matt? Trump? Trump. Yeah, he did. He said, that's why you have to vote for Roy Moore, I believe. And he tweeted that day in all caps, vote for Roy Moore. Okay. Oh, I I missed, I forgot the other Matt Gates thing. Once he made it to Congress, he was outsourcing policy to the R the Donald subreddit, which (laughs) if you know anything about it, is just a fucking cesspool of racism and stupidity. And this is Uh, complete... yeah. Oh, we live in hell world. Sorry. Yeah. Great time. So, yeah. And then he, when he got busted for it, he said, we pride ourselves on seeking as much citizen input as possible. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, anyway, this guy makes me nuts. He's just, he's just like, I, I constantly drag him on Twitter. He doesn't respond to me because all he ever tweets about is like every He's like on Fox News all the time now, and so that's just what he loves to do, and that's all like all he does. Did you mention him know. when we were talking about healthcare? Oh, probably yeah, because he, you know, I don't know, he loves the tax bill and it's all over the tax bill. I'm sure I mentioned him all the time. Because um, I was thinking that there was a Florida politician I'd heard about who uh, uh, got their money. Um, Allegedly skimming Medicaid money. Oh, that's Rick Scott. Rick Scott, our governor, is the oh, largest okay. fraud case of all time. The largest fraud case of all time when he was the head of the company. And then he bailed out. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm just the head of the company. And then took his ill-gotten gains and self-financed for his uh, Florida governor campaign. Uh, okay. So is that just a thing people do in Florida? I guess there's a lot of old people there. So it's uh, profitable. I know they do a lot of... Um, pill mills there for pain medications. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a huge economy, a huge state, and yeah, there's a lot of old people there. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, the Democratic Party there likes getting dumped on, so yeah, you can't do that there. I've been having a lot of arguments about that lately, and mostly around Al Franken and about the about whether he should have um, resigned or not, and mm-hmm. um, about whether the Democrats need to d- adopt the exact same strategies and um, uh, sort of standards as the Republican Party in order to win against them? Yeah, that's difficult. I mean, I kind of come down on the side of no, but you need you need you need to have a brand. You need to, you know, and I don't mean that in a negative way. You need to have values that you stand for that are made clear, right? And so, while I in some ways suspect that there's some degree of rat fucking going on regarding Al Franken, I also think well, it's also possible he was he was uh, a jerk to people. And just because I like his politics doesn't mean that doesn't exist, but. We don't need to adopt the same thing as Republicans in that sense. We just need to have standards that we enforce as a brand of values of who we are, which him stepping down seems consistent with to me. And, of course, Republicans aren't going to follow that because uh, they have no values outside of of maintaining power, which they're very good at. Yeah, I think um, uh, I've been surprised, really, by Roy Moore— I guess still even Roy Moore, even after Trump, uh, Roy Moore kind of shocks me. And um, over and over again, you know, I try to think of people who have different political values from me as Mm -hmm. basically operating with goodwill and um, good ethics as they understand it. But Mm -hmm. it seems like the will to power has kind of supplanted ethics in an awful lot of sort of Trump grandpas and people like that, because that's the language. That's the language of um, uh, the Fox network, the language of the party, the uh, all the Ayn Rand worship. Uh, I won't call her Ayn, I think is what people always want I, me to call her. Ayn? Ayn. Rond, I think is how it said. Rond. I am Rond. I am Rond. That's a different thing. But yeah, I mean, uh, that that somehow the it's like the alliance that was built between fundamentalists and oligarchs got blurred in a way that made it so that that oligarchy started being one of the principles of their fundamentalism. Yeah, and I think already if you're a fundamentalist, you have uh, an authoritarian streak, right? Like you want you want to be managed in some way. But I'll, I'll give my kind of twofold thing on it. Like I and I might put myself in some trouble here, but I really think just from my experience, like in the Southern Baptist Church and in Southern politics, is that this is why the abortion issue is so prevalent because it operates as a stand-in and a fill-in for anything involving moral standards, right? So I've heard so much revolving around this Roy Moore thing. I was like, yeah, he's a child molester. That's probably true. But Doug Jones would be pro-choice in the Senate, and that's an immorality that we can't—, we can't that's one te- step too far for us, right? And I don't, doubt, I don't doubt that there are some people who sincerely have strong feelings against abortion. And, you know, I used to be one of those people until I was like 12 or 13. But, uh, you know, I really, but I think for so many people, it, op- it operates as 
a functional stand-in for having real moral standards about a broad array of things. Right. Well, one so of the, the things you, is no matter what happens, no matter who's elected in mm-hmm. um, Alabama, it's not going to change the law about abortion. Of course not. Of course not. And that's what people, you know, but you can tell them that it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, no, Doug Jones or Roy Moore, either one who's a senator, abortion is going to be legal in America. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but people think it's. Well, you got to fight for that. And I've heard so many conservative people, like the further, the more debased their party gets, the more they show there's absolutely no bottom to how low they will go, say that that, well, that's it. That's just, that's it right there is that Democrats are already just a black hole of depravity because they support women's right to choose. And so, uh, you know, essentially we can just go as wild as we want as Republicans because we are anti-abortion and that is sufficient. That's a sufficient moral standard. Yep. Well, and, uh, and a few other points too. Uh, although they've let go of some, like I think that uh, I've, I've spent all day long arguing online like an idiot over... Hey, uh, you were a true podcaster, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but over <laughs> the, the Supreme Court case, the, the uh, gay cake case... Uh-huh. That the Supreme Court has in front of it right now. And I just want to reiterate that I am completely straight, but that cake is attractive. <laughs> it's a, well, as you know, it's like I think anybody would be gay for that cake. Yeah, but I'm totally um, gay for that cake. The you know, I think that that the, that they've kind of let go of that issue of the gay marriage issue. Maybe they'll come back to it if they feel like there's any advantage to be had yeah. from it or any political hay to be made from it. And it's not that yeah. even necessarily that their opinions have changed. It's just that they're not pushing that button anymore. Well, and I think it doesn't work. Like, I, I, I haven't heard, you know, and I very few conservatives still talk to me, but I haven't heard conservatives who are willing to, like, fight that fight anymore. Like, I don't. I think, like, especially young conservatives, like, I don't think they have an argument to make for uh, unequal rights for gay people. I just don't think they they have. Because, like... um, Well, what's kind kind of of weird to me is that so much of it seemed to turn on people realizing that they had gay relatives and gay friends and things Mm -hmm. like that. But Mm -hmm. they also all have friends and relatives who have had abortions. And a lot of them have had abortions themselves. And yet somehow... That's not compelling. Or pay for abortions. Maybe, yeah, or pay pay. a lot of paying for abortions. And and it's just sort of strange to me that maybe it's just that it's not talked about enough for people to be quite as uh, as aware. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I I don't know. I think it's just a different. And I I think well, and I think it's also been exploited very effectively. I always tell people this, and this is anecdotal, but I grew up going to church. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and like witnessing on Tuesdays. And I didn't hear people talk about abortion very much until a certain point. I heard way more talk about Dungeons and Dragons and rock and roll music, right? Um, I think there was a point that people realized it was an effective political strategy and cynically went with it. And well, then also when they it wasn't, did. Like nobody, it wasn't part of the mainstream discussion either, though, in fairness. Uh, it's not like uh, uh, people saw that as the gay marriage is even anything other than a punchline, as a political possibility. 
I think it didn't really emerge until the late 90s. Uh, uh, right, but I was meaning like abortion. I didn't hear abortion talked about in church. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, um, I've never heard abortion talked about in a church. And I've heard gay marriage talked about like it was really weird. I went to a marriage in a little, a wedding in a little Baptist church up in the country, and they were marrying this couple, and they're keeping all these sort of oblique references to how um, this is real marriage. Not like, <laughs> and it was just really weird to politicize your wedding ceremony in that way. I mean, I don't think they did it. I think the preacher sort of interjected right. it, but it was very strange. But yeah, as far as uh, abortion, I guess the, I, I certainly have seen a lot of churches with a bunch of tiny little crosses in front of them. But uh, that came later, right? Like that, I remember that in the 90s very much so. Yeah. Early 80s, I don't remember it. But then, you know, I'm from Northwest Florida, so once it got politicized, they started murdering doctors where I'm from. So I, you know, some of the first political marches, or maybe the first I ever went to, were about, you know, when David Gunn got murdered. Um, so I always say that as one reason that I'm kind of, I don't say, I'm not ambivalent on the abortion issue, but I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. Like, the, those, that's why it's very, it's very hard for me to take those people seriously because it seems to me they're a reactionary political movement who were largely powered by men um, who I think 30 years earlier would have been ardent segregationists and they couldn't do that anymore. So the control they could exercise was over women and they immediately went, you know, immediately turned into violent, violent confrontations. Or you know, not even violent confrontations, assassinating doctors. I see if that was. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, it being an issue. Like, yeah, it was very. The evils that they talked about in church were very abstract. Um, just the. The sinful ways of the world were all they talked about, and I guess by the time I mean I quit going to church. No, it was maybe I was sixteen or seventeen, so that would have been like ninety one or ninety two. Um, and they, I don't really recall them. Like drinking was all they really. That was like the word drinking and drugs, and and ours was uh, Dungeons and Dragons and rock and roll. Drinking, drugs, and staying out on Saturday night were the. Oh were really? The big. Did you have the big anti Dungeons and Dragons push, or was that just like my church? Yeah, I think that was really like Dungeons and Dragons were not like that wasn't really on the radar of people at our at our church. That was not, yeah. Secular music was secular music on there. Uh, maybe like yeah, secular music was there, like rock and roll. I mean, it wasn't even really like secular. It was just yeah, like the hardcore rock. Like country music was okay, but mm. well, so that's not was, really secular. Every, everyone loves Jesus and country music. Yeah. There was secular uh, resistance to Dungeons and Dragons too. And uh, <laughs> you remember, I think it was Rona Jaffe's Monsters and Mazes starring Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah. yeah, I love that movie. He keeps leaving the coin out for the for the innkeeper, and it's a magic coin because every morning the coin is back on his bedstand. Yeah, I think it was Bitcoin. Was it Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> magic Bitcoin. I'm going to take a. I'm going to. This is a brief aside from the show. So I read that article, like most people did, or saw that factoid about the energy consumption oh. of Bitcoin, and 
I sat in my office and I, I tried to track back, like to understand this problem. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I'm sitting in an office, like where I'm like trying to type out like a PhD dissertation every day. And I don't fucking understand how Bitcoin consumes energy. So I, I like had to like read and read and read. And this is horribly embarrassing for me. I ended up on a Vox explainer about how Bitcoin <laughs> creates energy. And I think I finally understand it a little bit, but I don't. It was all imaginary money. Why in God's name is it consuming like the all the energy in Bulgaria? I have no idea. I, well, I, I think don't really follow. What it come from, like the value that comes from it is that it's like code. It's like encrypted code that is on the internet and that you have to if you de- if you decipher the code you get the coins is right so i think this is it. so i think this is what my understanding now is yeah they put out an algorithm that is increasingly difficult and so to make the money have some type of scarcity so that it has value you have to mine it i'm using air quotes here meaning you have to solve the algorithm is that right right yeah and that creates the coin, but because it's getting increasingly difficult to do, you have to use more and more power to make right. that happen. Computer, yeah. And so now it's skewing to where it's going to places with cheap energy markets like China because you have a massive computer to mine this, which makes, oh, Jesus Christ. Every kind of like techno capitalism goes in the same direction, doesn't it? Yeah, there's like some, I read somewhere of one, there's like some warehouse, like there's some company, some group in China. That they have like this warehouse, like in somewhere in, um, and it's like really, it's a super cold area of, of, uh, of China, but they, and they don't have any heat in this building, but it's all computers, and it's still like a hundred degrees, like in this warehouse, and they have to have like cooling, they have to have like all these co- like uh, coolers to keep the computers from like overheating, where they're like mining like Bitcoin. And if you rip open the floors, it's just children inside these gears, like yeah. cranking gears around. Just til- children uh, waist deep in uh, mercury. And yeah. <laughs> They're all hanging just by the little child hangers. All on the child hangers. All right. Um, so before this is our last show before the election on Tuesday. So I was kind of going to maybe we can finish up with the latest um, uh, Roy, Roy Moore controversy which is I don't know if you saw this or not but apparently they've unearthed from like 2011 when he went on a um, like sovereign citizen like uh, like CNN is kind of short sell by saying he went on a conspiracy theorist radio show it wasn't it was like a sovereign citizen radio show and said that um, we'd all America would be better off if every amendment past the 10th one from the 10th one on was um Abolished or done away with, or didn't happen. Um, you know, I've seen people try to be a bit of an apologist for this and say, "No, that's not really what he meant." He was commenting on like the Tenth Amendment and blah blah blah. But I think it speaks so much like what's in his brain or what isn't. Fruit salad. We know about his brain. We know he can hang brain. But um, <laughs> that 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 like. Like so, I think if any of us reasonably said something like that, we would always we would think, oh, hold on a second, the Thirteenth Amendment abolished slavery. So maybe that sounded wrong. Maybe I should rephrase what I said, or you know, um, the Fifteenth Amendment uh, means you can't deny someone the right to vote based on their their race. So maybe I should 
rephrase this, and the 19th prohibits the denial of you know, right to vote based on sex, but he didn't. And so, yeah, so his kind of, this last thing putting out here, even though we know, we know he wrote a textbook saying maybe women shouldn't vote. We know he said that um, times were better during slavery because at least families were together, which of course is insane. No they were broken abortions. apart routinely. Yeah, yeah. No abortions. Just wait till they're born and sell them. Um, In his defense, and, maybe he doesn't yeah. know what those amendments say. That could be. That could very well be. He had probably seen, this was probably around the time, uh, those were the, he had maybe seen that that season of 24 where um, they the, they removed the president by the 25th Amendment, they used the 25th Amendment to remove the president because they said he was crazy. And he was upset by it, you think? Yeah, I think he was probably upset by that. Having been removed for being crazy himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twice. <laughs> or maybe he was really upset about the 23rd Amendment, which grants the District of Columbia electors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he was upset that, that, they, uh, that they prohibited it. Not only did they prohibit alcohol, he was upset about that, but that they... That they um, reinstated it. Yeah, reinstated it. Or maybe he was upset by the amendment that allowed 18-year-olds to vote because he just didn't oh, think sure. that somebody that young was ready for that kind of responsibility. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't think they were old enough to assert their own uh, willpower and viewpoints. Yeah. That, yeah, if they're younger than 18, they should just shut up and take it, he felt. Yeah. Oh, God. And nobody should maybe. know. Or maybe he was, this very well could be that he's upset about revoking the poll tax of the 24th (laughs) Amendment. And I did not mean that as a double entendre. (laughs) I think he actually could be upset. Well, that's what he would all, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, dip it in the bud. Well, maybe on that note. <laughs> well, so I'm just wondering. So before we before we finish up, this is the last one before the election on Tuesday. Um, any prognostication about how it's going to go? Uh, I think he's actually going to lose. You do think he's going to lose? You think Jason Isbell might have pulled it out for Doug Jones? Well, I just think that um, the, there's a lot of people, and I was I can't remember who I was listening to today that was saying that nobody's going to actually in a poll say. I'm going to vote for the child molester, and so they feel right. like the he's probably underrepresented in the polls, but I think he might be overrepresented in the polls. I think when it comes to the actual moment, people might mm-hmm. get there and say, I just can't do this. Right. Although, um, who knows? I mean, I, I don't trust the polls after... Uh, well, I didn't trust them before the Trump election, And then I got kind of talked into believing it, and then it turned out that was wishful thinking. So at this point, uh, we'll see how it goes, but surely Alabama can get this one right. It's not like they're voting for some sort of Tommy or something. It's a... Mm, uh, Definitely not. Yeah, kind of center, maybe slightly right-ish neocon, or um, uh, neoliberal Democrat. Yeah. Chad, you got a prediction? I think uh, Doug Jones is going to win, and he's going to fly into Washington on uh, on election night and uh, 
convince everybody on the Senate floor that they had uh, not to vote for the uh, tax bill in conference. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone will cheer. Um, um, yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, it seems like I would not be surprised either way. Um, I think it really depends on how many, on if young, I mean, I think young people, or who turns out to vote, like if people actually think it's worthwhile to even come out and vote for it. And maybe the, with the, maybe with the tax bill, people actually see that uh, a vote or two might matter and they might come out. And, but that might, that might work the other way too, so... Yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that what happens is uh, Jason Isbell in the next few days like goes to Roy Moore rallies and plays Elephant, and so everyone in the audience um, spontaneously commits suicide uh, from hearing a song that sad, and then they they can't <laughs> vote, and so we're okay. But I think it'll come down to turnout. I think like if so, I think all of this push in the last two weeks have been. They know Roy Moore's a bad candidate, and they know it's close, so they're trying to play it into this persecuted conservative narrative where they can play along with the national narrative and say, we're doing this as part of, um, we're doing this to troll the libs. And so if that works, and they, you know, elect a child molester to troll the libs, if that works, which it usually does, then then Roy Moore will win. But if people don't turn up, um, if people are actually bothered by this, then he won't win, but, you know, I I don't know how much more debased the Republican Party can get, but I think this is kind of like one of those moments that will be remembered if he wins is like that. Well, that's, you know, I thought putting Purple Heart bandages on their faces at the Republican National Convention um, to make fun of John Kerry was kind of the low point, but it's only gotten lower and lower every moment since there, so. Well, a lot of people think that uh, they might vote... Democrat just to spare themselves embarrassment, but the UN tour of Alabama, I think, has shown that they yeah. have no... Um, no, there's no level of embarrassment. Right. Uh, yes, the UN tour, which says that Alabama is the worst poverty in the developed world. Um, and, and I know we're finishing up, but also on that note, just before the election, I also want to say there's been a lot of commentary on like African-American turnout in Alabama. And any commentary on that that doesn't take into account that <laughs> that level of poverty and also the the insane levels of disenfranchisement that have gone on for black voters in Alabama is uh, entirely missing the point of, of what's happening with this election there. Yeah, or the fact they Does, shut down the uh, the DMVs. Is, right. They need IDs. People need IDs to vote, and they shut down the DMVs in the most uh, in the most heavily uh, African American. Districts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Coincidence. The, the algorithm. There's no racism in the algorithm. Does just, Alabama disenfranchise felons? Uh, uh, no. They just changed the law. Uh, the Republican um, state house and governor Kathy Ivey changed that law, uh, and so the Democrats have been scrambling to make sure that felons who had their voting rights reinstated. Um, register, but that has been picked up by Fox News and conservative outlets um, and put out as uh, desperate Democrats um, are driving, you know, trying to get felons to the polls, to which all these ignorant uh, Republicans and people on, on the internet will respond like, look, look at these Democrats. Let me know it's illegal, all these illegal felons voting. So I'm sure it'll be a talking point of Doug Jones when they will immediately say it's. Um, all the illegal felons that voted for him, even though their their voting rights were reinstated by a conservative government in Alabama. 
Well, well anyway. I think this is as yeah. low as it could possibly go. I mean, I think no matter what, things will be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things couldn't get worse. I, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, on that, that no, I guess next week we will know. We will know the outcome of what happened. Yep. Uh, we'll talk so, about it then. See you next week. God bless. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.